0: You're listening to Comedy Central. March 12, 2019. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Ears Edition. Activist from the hit show Top Chef, Padma Lakshmi, is joining us, everybody. (laughs) It's gonna be so much fun. Also on tonight's show, Mitt Romney is an alien, an election in North Korea, and the women behind the worst men in history. But first, there's a lot of news that needs your attention today. So I hope you all snorted your Adderall, because (laughs) I'll be honest, people. Today, there's too much news. Luckily, too much news is just enough news for a segment we call Ain't nobody got time for that. (laughs) All right, let's get straight into it with the biggest story to rock American colleges since the invention of the Red Solo Cup. (laughs) It's the college admissions bribery scandal, or as I call it, bribe scandalgate. scandal
1: Breaking news. A major college scandal. The feds bust up a large-scale scheme helping students cheat on their college entrance exams to get into top schools. Prosecutors say parents paying a college admissions consultant million between 2011 and 2018 to guarantee admission to elite universities. Among those charged are exam administrators, exam proctors, college administrators, coaches at elite schools, and 33 parents who paid large amounts in this scheme. Two of those parents accused are actresses Felicity Huffman and Lori Loughlin. Both have been charged with felonies for conspiracy to commit mail
0: fraud. Holy crap, this is insane. The FBI has just busted dozens of rich parents for bribing colleges to accept their kids. And not just any rich people, some celebrities. I'm so disappointed in you, Aunt Becky. (laughs) I mean, I expected this from a desperate housewife, but you? Now, details of the scandal are still coming in, but already some of the allegations are mind-blowing, all right? Felicity Huffman allegedly paid $15,000 to help her daughter get into top schools, and Aunt Becky, get this, allegedly paid $500,000 to get her daughter into USC. And my only question is, when does the bribing stop, right? If you bribe to get good test grades, then surely you have to bribe the administrators, all right? But at some point, people are gonna figure out that your kid is stupid. Yeah, they'll be in class like, well, according to President Franklin, five is the square root of 81. (laughs) Be like, oh, Franklin wasn't a president. Well, that's not what President Franklin told me. (laughs) And, you know, I'm... Like, this story is so infuriating, because rich kids should have to get into college the old-fashioned way, all right? By their parents donating a library. So this is a huge story right now. And not just because of the possible crimes committed, but also because of everything it says about how privileged people get ahead in a country that's supposed to be about merit and hard work. And I wish we had more time to talk about all of this, but we don't, because there's another spoiled brat who's in a place he's not supposed to be. And right now, (laughs) the top Democrat in charge is saying she's not planning to kick him out. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi delivering a Democratic reality check, explaining why she opposes impeaching President Trump.
2: And now It divides the country, unless there's some conclusive evidence that takes us to that place.
0: The nation's top Democrat earlier telling the Washington Post magazine, I'm not for impeachment, this is news, explaining, unless there's something so compelling and overwhelming and bipartisan, I don't think we should go down that path because it divides the country, and he's just not worth it. Wow, he's just not worth it? <laughs> oh, either Nancy Pelosi has gone soft, or this is brilliant reverse psychology. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, Trump's gonna hear that and be like, what, how dare you? I'm totally worth impeaching. And be like, no, you're not, Donald. Oh, yeah, check out my tax returns. <laughs> and here's my pee tape. Lock me up, lock me up, lock me up. He's totally gonna fall for it. And now, look, look, if we had more time, we would get into how Democrats are divided on when or if to impeach President Trump, and we could also get into whether Nancy Pelosi is really against impeachment, or if this is all just part of a plan so that when she eventually calls for impeachment, it doesn't look like she rushed to judgment and wanted it the whole time. But we've got to move on. We've got to move from the House to the Senate, because today was a very important day. Today, Senator Mitt Romney is 72 Earth years old. (laughs) And to celebrate... His aides got him a cake made out of Twinkies. And believe it or not, that's not the weird part. When the laughter died down in that clip, <laughs> that's when everyone realized they were standing next to a serial killer. <laughs> they were like, <laughs> it's the tweet. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm sorry, blowing out candles one by one, I think we can all agree, is extremely weird. <laughs> and I'm not gonna lie, he did it with such rich white man confidence that I started wondering if I've been doing it wrong my entire life. <laughs> like, he was just like, here we go, that's how you do it. I'm... And I was like, yeah, that-that's how we're supposed to be doing it? (laughs) And, look, I mean, the cake is really cool, and I do get why Mitt Romney likes Twinkies. They're exactly like him. white on the outside, but somehow, even whiter on the inside. (laughs) Now, look, I'm not gonna lie. I would love to spend the entire show talking about Twinkies and then, at the end, bring out, like, a giant Twinkie cake, but we just don't have the time or John Oliver's money. So we got to move on (laughs) to the major story that's got the NBA shook. It involves a basketball player threatening to beat up a fan and his wife.
2: Now, to an ugly confrontation last night in the NBA, it happened during a game between the Utah Jazz and the Oklahoma City Thunder in Salt Lake City when Thunder guard Russell Westbrook got in a shouting match with some Utah fans. Westbrook said after the game that the fan was making comments he considered racist and highly disrespectful. Now, the fan claims he was only engaging in a, quote, playful back-and-forth with Westbrook and didn't say anything offensive. She's gotta be
0: a professional. I mean, it, she was sitting down the entire time. Me and him were just... It was actually we kind of having fun, to be honest. Okay, first of all, Russell Westbrook, you can't threaten to beat up a woman, all right? This is the NBA, not the NFL. Yeah. And secondly... <laughs> and secondly, to that fan, you can't be talking trash to a seven-foot-tall human being and then be surprised when he reacts. Yeah. Like, you know You know what I honestly think happened here? This fan forgot that he wasn't at home watching the game on TV. That's what happened. <laughs> no, because when you watch sports on TV, you yell at the screen all the time. Yeah. But then when you're there live, the people can hear you! <laughs> Like, I remember the first time I went to an NBA game, the ref made a bad call, and I was like, open your eyes, ref! And then he turned around and was like, what did you say? And I was like, (laughs) nothing. Just enjoy your whistle, mister. (laughs) And now, look, if we had more time, we could do a whole show discussing whether or not fans have the right to say whatever they want to players, and whether players should be expected to just brush it off because it's their job and they get a lot of money, but we don't have the time for that because of another giant story. I'm sorry, another story about a giant. Mayor de Blasio's taking some heat for spreading his arms, sort of flapping his arms, to R. Kelly's iconic song, I Believe I Could Fly, while visiting a church in South Carolina over the weekend. The mayor said he
1: didn't know it was an R. Kelly song. I just didn't know it was his song. I'm, I know the song, but I didn't know it was him. The minister played the song and spoke about it, and I was being respectful.
0: Really, Mayor de Blasio? <laughs> you didn't know I Believe I Can Fly is an R. Kelly song? Dude, everyone knows that song is by R. Kelly. If you shazam I Believe I Can Fly, it just says, you damn well know who sang this shit. Come on, now. <laughs> Clearly, what happened here was De Blasio was in a black church. They started singing, I Believe I Can Fly, and he felt like he had to join in. And to be honest, what did anyone expect him to do? What do you want him to do? Did you start chastising the black people in the church? Did you want him to be like, Stop that! Pedophiles! Pedophiles! <laughs> you're all pedophiles! <laughs> like, seriously, what? Like, you're going into a black church, and then you're gonna tell them to turn down their music? You're gonna do that? Or you'll, you'll see Jesus before any of them. I'll tell you that now. <laughs> yeah. The pastor will be like, What did you say? I will You up and your wife! And your wife! (laughs) Right now, in the name of Jesus! (laughs) He had to do it! Now, if this was a slow news day, we could have more fun trying to figure out why the mayor of New York City is in a South Carolina church to begin with. (laughs) Could it be that it's a key presidential primary state? Does someone believe he can run? (laughs) But we don't have the time to figure that out. Because there's another election Bill de Blasio has a chance, uh, of winning just as much as he has a chance of winning this one. And believe it or not, it's happening in North Korea. Yes, that's right. North Korea does have elections. And before you ask, no, they don't mean anything, North
1: Korea is counting the ballots from its latest parliamentary elections, but the suspense isn't
2: exactly palpable. Every five years, all North Koreans aged 17 and over are expected to elect the 687 members of its Supreme People's Assembly. Each voter is given a ballot paper with a single name on it, which they then place in a ballot box located out in the open. No markings, no dissent, no choice in candidates.
0: Man, this is like. It's funny, but it's sad. Like, no matter how many times I see it, I'll never get used to what life in North Korea is like. Imagine going to an election where you have no choice. Just give you the name pre-written. That must suck. Like, the only positive I can think of is that it's a lot less stressful than normal elections. That's the only thing. No, because you never have to worry that you voted for the wrong person. You... (laughs) you also don't have to do any research on anyone's policy positions. There's no arguing with friends and family about why you voted the way you did. Thanksgiving must be amazing in North Korea. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, except for the lack of food, but aside from that, super peaceful. Yeah, because real democracy is like Netflix, you know? Sometimes it's overwhelming. Every night, I scroll through the shows for, like, four hours, and then I just give up and I go to bed. (laughs) North Korean democracy is like what TV used to be like. There's one channel, and it's playing Elf. all right? So that's what you're watching. And although these elections have nothing to do with democracy, they do serve an important purpose.
2: So why even bother having an election? The vote serves as a census and a gauge for sniffing out defectors. Private voting booths are available, but using them would raise immediate suspicion.
0: I think anybody who crossed out a candidate's name or or made some other alteration to the ballot paper would be asking for, at best, to be questioned. One would imagine that they would be charged with a crime associated with subverting the political process in the country. That's right this whole elaborate election is basically a sting operation to expose dissenters. That's all it is. They give you private booths, but if you use it, you're in trouble. It's like To Catch a Predator, democracy edition. That's what it is. (laughs) Like, as soon as you enter that private booth, Chris Hansen is just standing there like, well, well, well. (laughs) Who are you planning on voting for today, hmm? (laughs) And, you know, as much as I am appalled by this oppressive regime, A part of me is also impressed by how committed they are to this election charade.
2: The results will take a few days to process, though officials are hoping to improve on 2014's voter turnout of 99.97%.
0: (laughs) 99.97%. Honestly, I'm surprised it's not 100. I mean, that goes to show you how much some people hate voting, even in North Korea. Yeah. Even in North Korea, there's still some guy who's like, oh, voting's too much of a hassle. (laughs) Someone's like, but if you don't vote, they'll throw you in prison, in a prison camp. He's like, is the prison camp closer than the voting booth? Because then I'll take the camp. (laughs) Also, why does it take a few days to process the results? (laughs) There's one person running in each race. There are no surprises. They're not gonna be going through the votes like, oh my God, Beto O'Rourke, wow! (laughs) So uh, we're gonna have to wait to find out if Kim Jong-un's party won the election. And so what would... Oh, wait, hold on. Uh, what... Oh, um... I'm being told that the results have just come in. Uh, uh, unfortunately, we just don't have the time to tell you who won, so (laughs) you'll have to guess for yourself. We'll be right back. (laughs) And as you should know, March is Women's History Month. The month... that's right. The month when all historic female heroes drink for free. (laughs) For more on this, we're joined by our senior gender issues correspondent, Desi Lydic, everybody! (laughs) What does Women's History Month mean to you?
1: Well, Trevor, during this month, I like to celebrate the stories of impressive women that have been overlooked. It's not history, it's history. (laughs) Took me forever to come up with that.
0: You know, Desi, I-I honestly have learned so much already this month about women who have done great things in history.
1: Okay, yeah, but you see, everyone pays attention to the women who did great things. But no one speaks about women who did bad things. For example, everyone's heard of Benedict Arnold, right? He was the general who betrayed America during the Revolution, the greatest treason in our history up until Tristan Thompson. But you probably haven't heard of Benedict's wife, Peggy Shippen Arnold. Now, she was actually the one who encouraged him to turn on America and help plan his treason with British officials. You know, it's it's like they say, the couple that betrays together stays together. (laughs) And there is nothing hotter than treason sex, trust me.
0: (laughs) I don't even know what that means. But that is really fascinating, Desi. I-I had no idea about the role that she played.
1: Oh, of course you didn't. You're a man. I didn't know either. I saw it on his Snapple cap at lunch today.
0: That's a weird Snapple cap.
1: Yeah. Here's another one. We all know who Alexander the Great was. The ruthless king, bloodthirsty conqueror, sideburns aficionado. But he only got to do all of that because of a woman, his mom, Queen Olympias. She wanted her son to be king so bad, she had her husband and his other wife assassinated. She schemed so her child could have a better life, like a Macedonian Aunt Becky. (laughs) You know, actually, Olympias inspired me to break into my son's school and destroy the other kids' science projects. (laughs) Sorry someone trashed your volcano, Timmy, but I, too, am raising a king.
0: Desi, you-you can't break into a school and vandalize children's homework.
1: Oh, wow. Trevor, you're gonna tell a woman what she can and cannot do with her body?
0: (laughs) Wait, no, 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 no. What you did was a crime.
1: Well, you know-you know what else used to be a crime? Women voting, huh? Right, ladies? (laughs) But you know what? I'm glad you brought up crime because women can do that too. People always talk about Machine Gun Kelly, one of one of the most notorious gangsters during Prohibition. But nobody's ever heard of his wife, Katherine Kelly. She helped him scheme. She helped plan his kidnappings. She even gave him the gun he was named after. You know, before her, everyone called him Finger Guns Kelly.
0: Wow, d- this is really fascinating. You're opening my eyes. Like even when it comes to bad things, we tend to erase the contributions of women from history.
1: Yeah, and it's still happening today. Just look at Facebook. Fake news scandals, helping Russia spread propaganda. They even sold all our dick pics to Steve Bannon. And every time something goes wrong, people blame Mark Zuckerberg. But their COO Sheryl Sandberg deserves just as much credit. Everyone's dragging his name through the mud. I am so sick of people refusing to say something bad about women on the Internet.
0: (laughs) Desi, it, it almost sounds like you admire these bad women? I admire all women.
1: But there is one woman I admire above all. She is my number one evil heroine. I mean, I guess heroine's the number one evil heroine, but this lady comes close. Trevor, when you think of pirates, you think of Blackbeard, Captain Kidd, or whoever's captain now. But the most <laughs> successful pirate of all time was actually a woman. Zheng Yi Sao. In the 1800s, she had 80,000 sailors, 1,500 ships, and took more pirate fortune than Johnny Depp's lawyers. But get this. When the Chinese Navy finally caught her, she talked her way out of jail, got amnesty, and then opened a casino. Boom! (laughs) She went from being a criminal tyrant to a legal casino owner, a move historians call the reverse Donald Trump. (laughs) everyone. On Women's History Month, isn't just about breaking the glass ceiling. It's also about throwing someone through it and getting
0: away with it. Desi Lydic, everyone. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> welcome back to the Daily Show. My guest tonight is a New York Times best-selling author, activist, and executive producer, and host of Bravo's Top Chef, now in its sixteenth season. Please welcome Padma Lakshmi. <laughs> Welcome back to the show.
2: Thank you. You always have such a really nice audience. They're so...
0: They're wonderful. We have a line of South Africans. Thank you. you. That's how it... that's how it happens.
2: Lots of good Indian food in South Africa. Yeah,
0: we actually have tons of Indian food in South Africa. We have the highest population of Indians outside of India. A lot of people don't know that about us. Yeah, well, that's Gandhi us.
2: started in South Africa. Yes,
0: that's true. So... Yeah. So a lot of people. So thank you. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that's just uh, oh, my pleasure. Uh, <laughs> I made them all. Uh, <laughs> welcome back to the show. Thank you. Congratulations, uh, season 16 of Top Chef, and this is going to be the season finale. I have to ask, when you spend every single working day eating some of the best mm-hmm. culinary delights. Do you just... Do you, Like, is your off-time junk food? Is that what you do?
2: I mean, it's not junk food, but it's really simple food. Like, right. I just want toast, or I want chicken soup. Yes. Or mashed potatoes. So not
0: with, like, the drizzling thing on the thing. No.
2: Yes, exactly. When you eat that much... Uh, and it's not that I'm eating a lot. Right. I, I am eating a lot, but I'm eating a lot of all these different things. Yes. So then your stomach starts to feel a bit murky at the end of the day. So. When I come out of Top Chef, I just want the plainest, simplest, cleanest food, a lot of salad, a right. lot of vinegar, <laughs> you know?
0: Just something that, like, takes you away... Because the food is really amazing, and I... You, you've become associated with delicious food all around the world. I mean, because of the books you've written, yeah. because of the shows that you've done. Do you have a favorite food? Is is like is there something where you go like, that is what I look forward to, or you, are you just sick of food now?
2: I mean... I know. I'm not sick of food. I mean, I think that's why I'm um, uniquely qualified to do my job. You know, I have an endless appetite and a curiosity. And, um, I genuinely like simple things like fried chicken. That's-that would be a nice treat. Or I would have, like, just lentils and rice. That was very boring, but it's my comfort food. Um, I just like sometimes a toast with peanut butter. I'm in that, like, weird kick now. Yes. But I have to stop eating it, because pomegranate season is over. I've got a lot of food <laughs> for that.
0: You-you've, so. you, uh, <laughs> you-you've uh, created quite a stir online, because you-you've started this trend on your Instagram of, um, just eating food, dare I say extremely seductively. <laughs> um... <laughs> oh, no, no, you judge me. Watch the video, and then you t- <laughs> Watch... Here's, here's one of the videos, and you tell me what you think. Okay.
2: Yes, very seductive (laughs) That's... and that's... that's
0: ASMR. That's what that is, right?
2: You know, it's interesting, because I was online, and we stumbled on it, and I thought, is this really true? And you see these people opening and closing bags... Yes, just making sounds. ...or or eating fried chicken. And like I said, I was... I have been on this pomegranate toast kick, and, you know, it's very crunchy. We started it because I was too busy to have a proper lunch, and I made a quick sandwich. I was sitting at a table, and someone in my office just filmed me doing it, and then, That you know... person's creepy, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> She's young and very innovative. <laughs> um, but anyway, so, like, we just... We didn't even put it on the feed. We put it on, in stories, and it just... People were really entranced by it. I mean, I think one of the reasons... One of the many reasons people like Top Chef is because they like to watch the eating. They like Definitely. to live vicariously yes. through me and Tom and Gail and and Graham, so I think that has a lot to do with it. I just don't understand the rest of it, but I don't... (laughs) I think it's funny. I really do. I mean, I think also people recognize my voice. Like, sometimes I'll be in a restaurant with someone behind me, and they won't have seen me, but they'll hear my voice, especially ordering, and they're used to me talking about food. I can in imagine. In a very specific, elaborate, you know, way. Do, do
0: a... you... do you throw people off in restaurants? Like, do you... do you feel the hustle and bustle change when you walk in? Because I would be intimidated if I was a chef or worked in a restaurant, and then Pajma Lakshmi walks in, and I'll just be like, it's a test, it's a test, it's a test. <laughs> do you... do you feel that, or is no. everyone just like... The,
2: the... No, I mean, I... I... I get treated very well, as you would expect, at restaurants, and, you know, usually they know I'm coming, but I don't... I don't... because I'm not judging them. You know, I'm in their restaurant. What is hard, and I know it's a high-class problem, but is that they send a bunch of things from the kitchen, like little gifts...
0: That you didn't order. That I
2: didn't order. Uh, And...
0: Compliments of the chef, that's what they say.
2: which is really nice, except now I feel, you know, I have to eat it, because I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, and I really did want to eat light, especially if I've just come off Top Chef, Right. But as you I you said, should make as it, as
0: instead, of, instead of feeling bad and eating it, if you don't want to eat it, you should just pull, like, a judgy move. So you should get the food and then be like, I like your presentation, but I feel like the display doesn't match the flavors <laughs> and the... <laughs> or just do something like that the and they'll be like, The plating doesn't we... warrant yes, a it...
2: taste. You see, the yeah. <laughs> plating doesn't
0: warrant a taste. And exactly. then, then they'll be like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, your food has taken you around the world, the food that you love comes mm-hmm. from around the world. You've always talked about how food can connect us as human beings. Yeah. And now you've taken on, uh, a, a new, uh, role as-as an ACLU ambassador, which is really amazing. You're focusing on immigration and women's reprodu- reproductive rights. Yes. Th- these, these are really uh, powerful issues that are close to your heart and you travel speaking about that, and now you're going to be taking on that role. What, what is your goal? What do you hope to achieve in, in this role?
2: Well, I've been t- working with the ACLU in this capacity for three years, but, I mean, now I'm also starting to work with the U.N., so it, the Goodwill Ambassadorship is a uh, direct outcome, I think, of working with the ACLU and speaking out about immigration. It's a issue that... It's an issue that's very close to my heart. You know, I'm an immigrant. I really came here with my mother, much like these people at the border, with hardly anything. And what you have to understand is that if a parent takes a child on a dangerous journey, puts them on their back, is willing to walk across deserts. That's because the place they're leaving is worse and more dangerous. And I just think we have plenty to share. And if you look at all the contributions that immigrants have made, you're basically looking at what America is today. In whole, full stop. The, um... There's no crisis. There's no crisis. The only crisis is that we have a lunatic with a lot of power. <laughs> that, is the, that is the only crisis.
0: He also eats his steak well done, just so you know.
2: <laughs> I'm I mean, not surprised. Not that you needed another reason to call <laughs> a lunatic,
0: with... <laughs> but yes.
2: Probably with ketchup as well. Oh, yes, he does. <laughs> really? No, yes. No, that... I, oh, you don't... You didn't know that? I'm trying not to pay attention to No, really. So he eats his
0: steak well done with ketchup. For real. Really? That's a real, really? real thing that the president does. Yeah, <laughs> that's, uh... <laughs> Um, before I let you go, let-let's talk a little bit about some other causes that are close to your heart. Mm-hmm. One of the genuinely, um... it was... it was provocative, heartbreaking, and brave moments that-that uh, that I witnessed was, um, when you came out... and it was really tied to the Me Too movement in and around the Brett Kavanaugh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the-the confirmation hearings. You-you-you wrote an op-ed in The New York Times talking about your Me Too story, your Mm -hmm. story of-of being ashamed to come out and your having to face, you know, what many women face Mm -hmm. in the world. Why do you think it's so important to share those stories now? And what do you think we could be doing better to enable other women to tell those stories, to try and eradicate the scourge of what the Me Too movement is fighting against?
2: I think we really have to support our victims. Whether, you know, they wind up being... the perpetrator winds up being guilty or not, it doesn't matter. You know, there's... I don't know any person, any woman who would come forward and... and say, I... you know, this happened to me if it wasn't true. Because the trauma that you go through after you report is quite substantial. And I had nothing to gain and even more pain you know, to experience if I had spoken up at 16. right? And I think if I had been in a different climate, I would have felt able to come out. And I had every sign from, um, all around me that I shouldn't speak up. But now I'm in a different moment in my life. I'm at peace, I'm serene, I'm strong, I'm not a child. And the world is different. And so I have to act accordingly. I hope that me speaking about it, even though uh, the outcome of that hearing was as as we know, Mm -hmm. I hope that other young women will be able to come out. I hope we will be able to take the shame out of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I wanted to speak about it because I think there are millions of women like me who never reported. And it's not because it wasn't so bad. It's because it was so bad. That's why. Thank you again so much for being on the show
0: wonderful having you. The season finale of Top Chef airs March 14th at 9.30 p.m. on Bravo. Padma Lakshmi, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com.